0: all right guys welcome to the escape from electioneering madness uh you don't if you want to get away from trump clinton and rather talk about andre uh Marcus ware von miller michael thomas drew Brees. this is the place because that's what we're gonna do for the next hour here on under the dome home of the hudat nation i'm uh your host alan ulrich uh with my uh Non-election following partner in crime Sean Williams. How you doing tonight, Sean?
1: Doing fantastic, Alan. Uh, man, I watched about five minutes of uh, election coverage and I was going, uh, "God, this is on until daylight." Uh, it's absolutely. Personally speaking, uh, I I recognize everybody's uh, right to have their political beliefs and opinions, and I don't argue those. Uh, God bless you. Uh, this hey. Is, this is a very dark time. I've already, I've already <laughs> said it.
0: I've already said it. I, uh, I voted, and now it burns when I pee. So we're just going to leave it
1: at that. <laughs> <laughs> I, told, I told someone this morning that uh, walking into the – this is the first time ever that I've voted in a presidential election and I, I kind of felt dirty when I walked through the curtain going in and I felt like I should look up and there should be a sign there that said, save us both some time, just go ahead and bend over.
0: Uh, oh, ab- abandon all hope, all you who <laughs> enter here. You're in a ninth circle of hell. That's um, true. Uh, okay, we have a special guest <laughs> tonight too that we, we've kept entertained both before we got on the air and, and now, so let's go ahead and get started.
1: Right about now, he's sitting there thinking, what in the hell have I got myself in? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a special friend of mine. I've uh, been friends with this guy for better than a year now. We met through uh, pro football spot. Dot com, where we, we were both writers. Um, he's a fantasy football guru of sorts. Uh, his name is Brandon <laughs> Sanders. He's a... Uh, a Denver Broncos fan since a very young age, and he comes to us from the coast of North Carolina. half writer for Fantasy Footballers, for the Fantasy Footballers podcast, and he's won fantasy. Uh, excuse me, he's won People's Choice Award and Sports and Recreation Award for the American Podcast Awards for 2016, and is currently the number one rated fantasy podcast on iTunes. He writes DFS articles known as the Daily Dose every Friday and helps fans try to pick the best lineup possible for their fan duel rosters. Um, Although we we haven't really delved too much into the the fantasy football uh, to this point, if you guys have any any sort of fantasy football questions that you want us to direct to uh, Brandon certainly uh, get to us via the the live chat on YouTube. Um, Also, before I introduce Brandon, um, we want to thank our sponsors, Fan First Productions, because without the fans, it's just a game for kids. Um, (laughs) And you can find us on Facebook, on Under the Dome Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Under the Dome P O one uh, and on iTunes, uh, Under the Dome podcast. Without any further ado, we want to welcome in Brandon Sanders, Denver Bronco journalist. How you doing, Brandon?
2: I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on. I love talking some Broncos and some fantasy football, so I'm excited to get started and talk. Maybe some Saints, too. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah, we good might even fit good them deal. into the picture, too.
2: <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Well, I'm ready. Well, well Brandy, give, give us a thumbnail sketch on, uh, on Denver right now because they started out so well. I mean, you took it to the Carolina Panthers on opening night, and it looked like the offense wasn't going to miss a beat with uh, going from Peyton Manning to uh, Simeon. And it seems like now that once Simeon got injured and then you had that fill-in um, where the, the rookie um, – uh, his name escapes me for the sec right now, but the rookie came in. Lynch. Lynch. Thank you, Lynch. I, I kept. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to call him uh, the the old safety. Uh, <laughs> that's now the of was for a while. John Lynch for a while. Oh, and I knew that wasn't oh, right. Awesome. So, but anyway, uh, when Lynch came in, the uh, the team seemed to struggle. And then since Simeon's been back, it seems like he's just not the same quarterback he was prior to his injury. So. Uh, kind of give us a breakdown on what's going on with the Broncos offense and also the injuries on in the uh, Broncos defense.
2: Yes yeah, so um, you know like you were saying we took it to the Panthers we pretty much never skipped a beat went right into it you know smashed Cam Noon once again proved the point that hey we're, we're still a defense that's uh, to be reckoned with but um, recently the offense has been struggling not only is it where the ground game, it's it's not there. Um, C.J. Anderson with that injury, that really that really hurt us quite a bit. Um, he was the thumper, even when he was there. They weren't using it. They're trying to go a little bit more pass. Um, I think they were just trying to challenge Trevor Simeon. They're like, listen, we don't think the kid can pass. He's a game manager. So I think that Kubak's like, okay, well, we're going to take that and we're going to run with it. So he, you know, started passing with it. We had a good game against Tampa Bay. Uh, Was able to air it out and kind of prove that point that, hey, Simeon can have – he has the arm not only to go along with that, but um, with the absence of C.J. Anderson, Devontae Booker, the other rookie, he's done decent – but his yards um, per carry is really low. It's two point six. So like he hasn't really proven to be that RB one that um, you know he was drafted to be and replaces. Say if CJ did leave or did sign with another team and go along with it. Um, I am excited about the Capri Bibbs uh, opportunity. That kid, he, he he did really well. He was able to move the football in um, and, and all yardage. So he catches, he he runs. He's from Colorado State, so the great thing about Denver, they're always big, big, big on looking for local talent and bringing them up and using them. So definitely, um, Capri Bibbs um, has an opportunity to really shine uh, against the Saints defense this coming weekend. Uh, that's a good opportunity to look at. Um, but really, it's the offensive line. They're not holding up. They're making – Bad penalty calls. They're holding uh, a lot to the point where we're driving back. So any momentum that we get from a play is now pushed back a little bit further. So that's not very fun. Um, but like I said, CJ being out is the big factor there as well. We just got to really get going. Um, we're we're being school, to be honest with you. Um, so uh, hopefully we can we can get that ball rolling here this coming weekend.
0: How about the defense? Uh, uh, What's going on with defense as far as injuries? I saw you lost uh, another player this weekend. Um, Yep. uh, Are you expecting anyone coming back this week? Uh, Akib Tlaib, for example, or um, what's the story on that? So Talib, Tlaib, he's day-to-day
2: as far as this morning. (laughs) Uh, Derek Wolfe was the person that got uh, the elbow injury this past weekend against the Raiders. Um, He's day-to-day. They're saying it's not as bad as the previous injury that – our uh our wide receiver um benny fowler got in preseason so he's not too bad off um they're modern turn uh there's some swelling so they might have to like drain the elbow all that fun nasty stuff but um it's looking oh, like they, he might be yeah he might be able to wrap it up and be able to go um we could use them um recently in an interview Vaughn took it personal against that one the the raiders and denver broncos have a long long rivalry that goes way way back and Lots of personal stuff there, but Vaughn took it upon himself. Um, he is leading the sacks now, so he did take the sack lead last week uh, when he got Derek Carr. Um, he is hoping to try to do that. However, you know, uh, we've seen uh, Drew Brees seems to have a lot of time to pass here recently. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. But here recently the Saints have been really been kicking in with their offense, so um, we'll see how that plays out. But Vaughn is looking to continue his sack lead. Um but um, we do have Demarcus Ware back. But if we get Wolf back, that'll be good because he's on the defensive end, so we're good there. But we're struggling at cornerback. So to leave day to day, our backup Kevon Webster, he is now out for probably the second week. That leaves uh, Chris Harris Jr. And we also got Bradley Roby, who also came from uh, Ohio State. So um, it's not like we're terrible. I mean, we're the number one um, passing defense in the in the, you know in the in the NFL, which is something to be very very proud of. Um, but here recently, just miscues, we've gone to now 25th overall and passing defense, which is not the Denver Broncos recently. So that's something where um, a little bit worrisome, especially with how um, Ingram and Hightower are now sharing and they're bruisers and they like to punish you in the run. So it's definitely uh, something to be concerned of and looking for. So hopefully they'll um, stop those gaps and stop the bleeding, in the words.
1: <laughs> Brandon, I have a question for you. Um yes sir the prevailing the prevailing uh i don't want to call it wisdom but um the the mindset of most of the the talking heads at least in this area is that a game that a month ago looked to be just basically no hope uh suddenly it, they're saying that if the saints defense can limit uh, Denver to maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, 25 points that they actually stand a really good chance of winning. Um, Can you, do you think there's any validity to that or?
2: Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you you know, I would say even two months ago, I, I looked at the roster and I was like, Hey, we got the saints coming up. They have the 30-second, you know, defense and passing. And, you know, if Simi can get a, the ball rolling, then, you know, we have a, a really good chance. But, like I said, it's been sputtering out. We've been settling for field goals. We're three and out, three and out, three and out. That's not going to cut it against a very high-octane now, New Orleans Saints, with three wide-out sets, with three magnificent receivers that can get it done. <laughs> um, Kobe Fleener, every once in a while, he'll show his, his head every once in a while. He's either there or he's not. But um, Denver has a history got- of not –
1: you guys are okay. That's like only every six games or so.
2: Yeah, every <laughs> six games. But Fleener does show up, uh, and Denver has been in the past been notorious for not blocking the tight end um, spot very well. Um, they do well if it's a blocking tight end. If it's a passing tight end, they have they have trouble. So that's something that uh, we'll have to look at um, as far as Fleener or Hill if he's playing on as well. So – um, but yeah, I would say nowadays you never know in the NFL, especially with the way Denver's kind of puttering. And I've you know seen articles where New Orleans is trying to capitalize on Denver trying to figure out where the bleeding is at and try to plug in those holes and go with it. So if the Saints can get out early, it, they got a good shot of beating us, to be honest with you. And uh, like I said, as a Broncos fan, that's nothing to you know to be <laughs>
0: too happy well, about. Yeah, Denver, I tell you what, Mile High, and I'll still call it Mile High, mile high Stadium, even though the original Mile High is long gone.
1: Um, <laughs> Sorry, it'll yeah, yeah. be Mile High.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Besco Field or whatever they want to call it now it just isn't right. But yeah. anyway, when you when you play in Denver, not only do you have to deal with the altitude, but you have to deal with that crowd. Yep. Uh, and, you know, yeah. I, I enjoy when I'm not watching the Saints play. I enjoy listening to that crowd on third down or whatever. You know, when they throw the pass and it's incomplete, you hear the whole crowd go, in incomplete, you know, yeah. that thing. And, and that's just part of the mystique of Denver, okay? Mm-hmm. But they're coming to the Superdome now. Exactly. So, you know, now you're dealing with uh, 68,000 drunken crazy people um, who've been tailgating all day. Now, fortunately, it's a noon kickoff, so they can't be that cranked up. But I mean, you know, the Superdome has just as much, you know, much noise as uh, Arrowhead or the old uh, Kingdom in Seattle's in, uh, field now, uh, Quest Field. And So, you know, how is Denver doing on the road with dealing with uh, crowd noise and that sort of stuff? Um,
2: Surprisingly, uh, it's been hit or miss, to be honest with you. So, Tampa Bay, no worries. I mean, they had to play in the monsoon, but they were able to go in, get the job done, take care of business. Um, On the road, it just really depends. Uh, I mean, at home, we have that big advantage. We'd have the crowd. (laughs) we got (laughs) – we got the we got the the third down you know the denver defense is something that we take great pride in um you know somewhere we went from thousand thirteen being the best offense in the league and then getting smashed in the super Bowl and that was very embarrassing to you know John Elwood being very serious and making sure that he's paying people to do the defense so we're very proud of that um the dome is no joke and that's something that the past meetings that uh Denver has struggled with especially in a dome setting um so that's something that we we will take uh not lightly um I love the Dome. I was, it's very historic. Um, you know, the Saints have a great fan base. I love the the Saints and how New Orleans has a community is so big on, you know, making sure they're backing their Saints and make sure that they're filling that Dome every single Sunday. So, I um, am uh Denver's in for a, uh, I would say a rude awakening, but they're definitely in for a much louder one. Um, it was different when you had Peyton Manning, who was the sheriff, and he could tell people to literally calm down and shut up, and then everyone would shut up and he'd do his play because it was respect. It was Peyton Manning, you know, you're looking at a future <laughs> Hall of Famer. A little different Trevor hey. Simeon, you know, seventh-round pick trying to make a name for himself, and he's trying to tell, you know, everyone to hush. That's not going to happen. The Saints crowd, they're going to get louder. So he's, he's going to have to You're get his signals correct.
0: You don't get to hear <laughs> Omaha! Omaha! <laughs> nope.
2: No, you don't hear that anymore. You get to hear down, set, check, and then whatever color he wants to say, and then they're right. off to the races, basically. So. Right. So Trevor um,
1: Simeon's dad didn't play there.
2: Right. <laughs> he did.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. You don't get the Brandon, respect of the Archie Manning. No. Hey,
1: Brandon, I, I got a question for you on our uh, our live chat on YouTube. Um, sure. There's, someone wants to know, is the right tackle worse than it really is? Because replacement got harassed by Vic Beasley against Atlanta a few weeks ago than the normal starting right tackle got harassed by Max Sunday night.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, it's, uh, it's a it's a very much one of the positions that we need to look at. Um, we we did sign Russell Okung, um, but Okung coming from Seattle was able to get away with a lot more of holding calls. I noticed, especially in the NFC West, just because it was much more of a it seems tougher or a little bit more risque as far as the division that was there. But coming over, he's taking these tactics that he picked up in Seattle, and now he's doing it, and it's costing us, and it's costing us penalties, yeah. and he's not getting that advantage.
0: We don't know anything about that, getting a player from Seattle who commits a lot of penalties and uh, got away <laughs> with a lot of stuff. You know. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. But you he's know,
1: gone that now, game, right? Yes, he is. That, that he question – by the way, that question came from a young man named Matt Ulrich. Oh, oh nice, did it nice, now. nice,
0: Yeah, did it now. Nice, Matt.
2: But, yes, right tackle uh, Tyson Brello. He's the local from also Colorado State – um, he's more development than we thought, um, and that's something that we need to address because if the rookie is coming in after the bye, which is a speculation, um, we'll see how that goes. I think if Simeon plays well this week, then he'll stay the starting one. But as you notice, like Simeon got his shoulder hurt and um, Paxton came in, he looked a deer in the headlights. He had no time to really step back in the pocket and pass. But luckily, Paxton Lynch is a much more mobile quarterback, but he ran for his life the entire game against Beasley and the, and the Falcons, uh, that was one game kind of similar to the this matchup between New Orleans and Denver. Like everyone's expecting, oh, Denver's just going to plow through, you know, very low, um, you know, like the not very good defensively as far as like um, your passing defenses and your, and your rushing defense. But you see where the Falcons got it done because they were able to find the weakness and go at it. I think the Saints can do almost something similar. So it's, I think it's going to be a much closer contest for sure.
1: Well a, a month ago a lot of people would have told you that this uh New Orleans would not have had the defense to even compete in this contest. Um mm-hmm. but I at this point, um uh, at least from the beginning of this from the beginning of the season to now, I mm-hmm. I have this thought process that says that our offensive line is so so far overachieving to this point that um That's directly affected our win total up to now. Um, At the same time, while you relish having a weapon like Drew Brees as a part of your arsenal, I don't necessarily – I I don't want to say that I don't like being in that position. I don't like having to rely on every week – Drew Brees having to supersede all expectations just to give you a chance to be in the ball game. Um, Mm -hmm. now that, that could be true. Um, for every game that we've played this year, there's only been out of, um, four losses this year. There's only been one game that we've been completely blown out of. And that was the Monday night game against Atlanta. Uh, Mm-hmm. We've been within one strike of uh I'm I'm correcting that on our uh, yeah, you are, every you other are. game we've been within, within one score of uh
0: yeah that both the both the Oakland and Giants game we were we had a chance to win that game uh we went in uh either with the lead or tied and had an opportunity to win the game um and then of course the Kansas City game uh we had to Key turnovers: Drew Brees' pick six and uh, Mark Ingram's fumble, uh, and that was the difference in that ball game. So, yeah, of the four losses they have, the three of them were games that were very winnable. We played well enough to win, we just didn't. Um, It can be argued, of course, you know, in the San Diego game, that was kind of a stolen game. You know, we forced, you know, three turnovers uh, in the last what four minutes of the game to pull that one out, but. Regardless, you know, if we could easily have been, um, I don't know, what, seven and two? Uh, seven sure. and, I'm sorry, seven and one or, or something yeah. to that effect uh, if we get a couple breaks our way. And that's despite all the injuries. So, yeah, uh, you know, how would you, how do you see, uh, Brandon, how do you see this game playing out then, given. Uh, the Saints seem to be a team on the rise, and Denver seems to be a team that is kind of falling back a bit and trying to get, regain its footing. Mm-hmm. Um, it,
2: like I said, it's going to be a very close one. Um, it's all going to depend on who can get who can strike first, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like uh, the weakness that Denver has with the running game, that if Mark Ingram or Tim Hightower gets going early – and, uh, you know, established that. That's what we had a problem with Oakland. We weren't on the field long enough because they were running us into the ground completely. Um, you know, you can't yeah. you can't do a passing defense that's number one in the league if you're running on us the entire time. So that's one of those things where they, they looked at the corners. They're like, there's no way we're throwing that. So you see where Derek Carr, he didn't get a passing touchdown, but he did get him in striking. Distance, so there was a lot of those cut unders, which um, Michael Thomas is fantastic at and as well as Willie Sneed. Um, Brandon Cooks is your burner. So, I, you know, Brandon Cooks, you – for those that are listening, for fantasy purposes, you would temper the expectations on Brandon Cooks, even though I have to play him against Denver. It is what it is. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, at the same time, you have those under the hooks. You have Snead doing the, you know, your you're your across the field. You have your slants that are available. Michael Thomas can get up and go kids fast. Um, but the ground game is really what's going to determine. Same thing on the other side. Denver has... They, their offense really goes when the running game goes. So if Capri Bibbs or Devontae Booker can get up early and often and get there and keep the first downs and stay on the field, then Simi will settle down a little bit. Usually, he finds his rhythm as a game manager. He'll look for DT. He'll look for um, you know our uh, Emmanuel Sanders there in the in the slot to definitely look to you know try to go over one of the defenders and go for it. Because like I said, there is that opportunity where the passing defense of the New Orleans Saints hasn't been the greatest has it been in the in the in the past, but you know, uh, it's really going to see who's going to strike first and who's going to figure each other out in the first two quarters. I think for sure.
0: Okay, so make your prediction then. Uh, what do you think the final score would be? And you know, we—it's perfectly acceptable to be a homer. We we allow that. <laughs> yeah,
1: cool. yeah, we. Well, we, I'm, we allow
2: that. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm going to defend my Broncos. No, I love the, the New Orleans Saints. I respect the heck out of them. Uh, great team. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Um, they usually fight back pretty well um, when they're down and the uh, QBX sees the uh, opportunity to improve. Usually there's a big difference the next game. Um, so I'm going to say, oh, man, uh, some of the lines like it's going to be closer than we think it is. I'm going to say, like, I don't know, something weird like 31, 21. You know, uh, I think it's be much more high scoring than people think. Um, I don't think Denver is completely going to shut them down just because of the rise of Michael Thomas and how well Drew Brees is performing currently right now. So it'll be a close one.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. I can. I think it's going to be a close game too because you know the defense, although it's getting better, it's still bleeding a lot of points. It gives up a lot of big plays, and I can see. Uh, you know, emails- Sanders making a couple big, big receptions on us. You know, Denver's got too many weapons on offense, especially in the passing game where they can do something. Um, it's just going to be a question mm-hmm. of do the Saints continue this balanced attack they've been doing, like you said, mm-hmm. running Ingram, running uh, Hightower, getting the, getting the yardage and keeping us on schedule, not behind or down in distance. Um, if that's the case, see,
1: see, that's That's what I I think that you just said a mouthful there, Alan. I think that the major determining factor in that is how long the Saints stick with that. Because if past experience is any uh, indication, just as quickly as Sean Payton has put the ball on the ground with Ingram and Hightower, just as quickly he can wake up on the other side of the bed and – all of a sudden Drew Brees is throwing it 60 times a game.
0: Well, it, it again, uh, to me it's always about down and distance. Uh are we falling behind. Does you know, does Zach Streef have a hard time handling Von Miller? If Von Miller is going at quarterback and he's got to hold him to keep, you know, Drew Brees clean. Uh now we're now we're suddenly playing second and 20 second and 25, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, now we're going to start airing the ball out and can't run the football. Yeah. But if we're consistently getting four and five yards a carry and it's now third and six, third and four, third and two, it becomes more effective. And um, I, I still think they're going to take the shots. I, I think you're going to see uh, – you're going to get some points from Brandon Cooks this weekend. I think you're going to see at least one – uh, go shot to you know uh, the, the shot plays he likes to call it a go route uh, where you see cooks just totally light up that secondary on a you know on a quick slant or you know a bomb from midfield whatever
1: and, Espe- especially uh, if that secondary is down a starter such as Taleb.
0: Um, yeah absolutely
1: they're, absolutely they're they look- probably there's probably no quarterback in the league that's going to take stock in your lineup every single play any more than Drew Brees will. And when mm-hmm. when you're down a player, he's going to take note of that and take advantage it's, of that.
0: The Saints are all about matchups. They're going to try and isolate whoever the weakest, weakest sure. link is in that secondary. They're going to try and put Cooks or Thomas on that guy and or Fleener. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're going to see someone attack that so the, i guess the last question then we'll, we'll play a fantasy game since uh we oh, uh, since you're a fantasy football guru i'm gonna <laughs> ask you first i'm gonna ask you who would you pick or who would you play out of this game this weekend who if if you know guys that have saints players guys that have broncos players who would you play and let me show you this real quick give you an idea i've been playing fantasy football this <laughs> is my first year to not play dun
2: dun. dun.
0: I, I've been playing fantasy football since nineteen <laughs> since about nineteen ninety-three. This <laughs> cough. This one here, this magazine here, is my oldest surviving fantasy football magazine from nineteen ninety-four. Um you know, the quarterbacks they recommend you play are like Steve Young. Um, yeah.
1: Brandon, you know, they, that was that was probably the year you were born, wasn't it, Brandon? Yeah,
0: probably. No, I was born '84.
2: I was 10, but I was not playing fantasy then. Oh,
0: However, okay. I, know, I, know that,
2: I probably would because I would start Emmett Smith in a heartbeat.
0: <laughs> well, Emmett Smith, they actually tell you, depends on the matchup. Rodney Hampton at some point was uh, a better play than Emmett Smith uh, yeah. because uh, um, Old Moose used to uh, vulture touchdowns. Of course, that wouldn't have turned back then, uh, but he yeah. would steal some touchdowns from Emmett Smith. so uh, vultures. <laughs> yep. So anyway, who would be your plays then this weekend out of the Saints Broncos game? Do you think this is going to be one of those fantasy football bonanzas that, you know, hey, you gotta play Breeze, you gotta play this guy, you gotta play this guy, mm-hmm. you know, because you're gonna get a lot of points.
2: Um, definitely uh you can't sit Drew Breeze. I mean, he is a start every single week in your lineups. Uh he is going up against a very very strong cornerbacks and uh, the secondary that we have there, but he's a must start because you don't sit Drew Brees. I'm sorry that's why you drafted him so high. <laughs> you must play him. Um, also on the same coin, Brandon Cooks, you drafted him high in the first probably couple three rounds, so you have to play him um, and hoping that Talib is still out for that year or for that week and so that he can uh, he, Cooks can take care, care of that uh, advantage. Um, Broncos side you're going to have a lot more favorable matchups, so uh, of course your are Thomas's Emmanuel Sanders, uh, especially Emmanuel, uh, he's, he's got the quick speed like Brandon Cooks. If he can find a, a gap in the secondary or they're slacking on coverage, he's going to make them pay, and Simeon's going to look for it. He likes to go right over the top of his shoulder too, so he likes to drop it right in on there as well. So be careful of the splash plays. Um, the running situation uh, on the other side, on the Saints, you got to play Mark Ingram, you got to play Tim Hightower. They're, they're sharing the load now, um, and both of them got touchdowns, and they prove that they can run. Um, Denver, like I said, is struggling. So if you are wary of the wide receivers or even Drew Brees, um you can be more assured of Mark Ingram. Uh, he has to be careful of those um those drops and those fumbles. But I think being benched had taught him a valuable lesson. I don't think he's gonna want to lose his spot again because high Tower's already in into it. So gotta play those two. Um look for uh my sleeper pick, Cabri Bibbs. Um the youngster that has now came from the practice squad that is going to get the opportunity to face the Saints. If he can run on the Saints, he might have a shot to surpass, or I could say in Game of Thrones terms, usurper um, Devonte Booker, and now take uh, and take his throne. And because uh, C.J. Anderson, he's out for 12 weeks, so unless we're in the playoffs, you're not going to see C.J. Anderson the rest of the year. He's definitely on IR. So pay attention to these guys. Um, sit, and uh, let him sit back and wait. Only play him if you got to. So. As okay. long as he
1: doesn't play this week, I don't care what he does next week. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: this, you know, I'm not wearing the white suit. I'm not wearing the uh, the black tie. Um, so this is Fantasy Island, but I'm not going to be Mr. Rourke here. Um, <laughs> But uh, I appreciate the fantasy advice. Um, no problem. Brandon, let everybody, let everybody know where they can find you uh, so they can ask you fantasy questions, especially those last-minute decisions they have to make when uh, you have to start in sick guys because of injury or bye weeks. Where can they follow you?
2: Definitely uh, Twitter is the main one to find me at. I'm at Brandon T. Sanders. Um, that's where you can find my articles with the fantasy footballers. Um, like I said, we do daily fantasy sports. So uh, me and a, a good buddy, Ben Cummins, we both do the uh, FanDuel lineup. So if you're big on trying to win you some cash or just wanting to brag of your friends that you beat them for that week, definitely hit us up. Um, uh, you can also find me on Facebook. I'm at Brandon Sanders. Uh, you'll, you'll find me there. Um, uh, I usually just post articles or random stuff. So if you just want to get to know me as a person and randomly ask me questions about fantasy, I'm cool with that too. But you get to see me and my goofy self all the time on there. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely uh, Facebook or uh, at Brandon T. Sanders on, on Twitter. That's definitely where to reach me at for sure.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Brandon, for joining us. I appreciate uh, all the advice, and I appreciate the breakdown of the Broncos. And, uh and hopefully, it will get some people. I know my son will probably. That's uh, someone who asked the question earlier. My son will probably track you down and ask you for some last-minute fantasy advice. So,
2: yep, definitely hit me up. Uh, Sunday morning is a good time to reach me. So, let me good know. Deal. Good deal,
1: <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> I, thanks a lot for for uh, being a part of, of what we're doing, man.
2: Man, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to maybe being back on, maybe another matchup or another time. Absolutely, absolutely. I
1: look forward to it, brother.
2: All right, thank Let's you, see man. Soon, you yeah. No problem, guys. Have a good night.
0: Good night. Too, man. Okay. Well um, I'm getting little updates on my iPad as we're going through, trying to avoid as much as we can. Let's talk about, I a about tell, the 49er.
1: I want to tell everybody, uh just as a full disclosure thing, I'm new to following the live chat on the YouTube. I'm trying <laughs> to keep up. I'm I'm trying to to uh and John Pinto, I thank you so much for pointing out that my forehead is very shiny too. Um
0: Okay, so we gotta hit Michelle with the makeup, right? <laughs> That's what we gotta do gotta yeah, dull um, that dull a little bit.
1: Yeah. I just I made a comment earlier that my forehead went like from the middle of the screen all the way to the top. And John in his uh his helpful manner, he I mean he's one of he's on payroll. Basically, he's on staff, and uh, he pointed out that my forehead is very shiny too. What payroll? I, I can't thank. Ju- <laughs> hey, uh, we don't discuss company business on, on
0: Yeah, okay, parents. I got you now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Working
0: for free.
1: Look, Man, uh, I- as <laughs> as far as the Saints and as far as the Saints and the Broncos, I think it. Like I said, um, three weeks ago, this game just really was kind of sort of an afterthought i mean it it wasn't something that saints fans realistically were looking at as
0: well no i mean you're looking at yeah you're looking at the defending world champs um especially the way they started out this season you're assuming okay that's probably going to be one of the losses they get for the year um just because we don't match up well with this team and now you've seen especially when oakland beating them this past weekend now granted is divisional game and divisional games. You always throw out the records and yeah. you know, that stuff, yeah. Yeah. but um, you, you really seen a lot of, you know, cracks in the uh, Bronco armor. The defense does not look as intimidating as it did in the past um,
1: and the, the past the past two games that I've yeah, I've exactly. State- the, the last two weeks I've watched the the Broncos play and they have looked very beatable I, I mean right. nothing ag- even nothing against he, the Broncos I, I I call them as I see them
0: but even they even though they they beat the, the buccaneers it they didn't look dominant uh they you know in the beginning of the season they looked flawless. You know, then you see the Atlanta game. They they didn't look good there. Now Paxton Lynch was starting, so I kind of dismissed it as saying, "Okay, that's a yeah. rookie playing against a defense that's really prepared for him."
1: Um, I think it's where- I think it's sort of intriguing that with such an quote unquote overwhelming defense as what Denver has, and anytime you hear anybody talk about the Broncos, that's always the first thing out of their mouth is the defense, the defense, the defense. Von And look, guys, I get it. Denver's defense is top-notch, and I take absolutely nothing away from them, and I do not in any way disrespect those guys, but this is professional football. You got to have somewhat of a balanced attack. You have to have... A reasonable amount of quarterback play on the other side of the ball from that dominating defense.
0: Well, to you know, games. right. And what we're seeing, what we've seen now for the past, even the Kansas City game, you know, is the Saints are more committed to running the football and they're getting success out of it. I thought the 49ers game, Jari Evans had morphed back to the 2009-2011 era, Jari Evans. I mean, he was wiping people out. On that 75-yard run for Mark Ingram, you watch Evans kick that block out, and there was a hole. Huge. And no one touched Ingram until he's
1: 45 to 50 yards down the field. Um, I mean – and, and that's been a lot of this season. I mean, right. Jari Evans that we signed as a cast, basically a cast off from the Seattle Seahawks as a last minute uh, replacement player uh, coming out of training camp, the Jari Evans that we signed kind of, well, in, in terms of sort of somewhat of a parallel, the Jari Evans that we signed coming back is kind of like with Roman Harper. The Roman Harper that we signed, we brought back is not the Roman Harper that we sent to Carolina. The Jari Evans that we signed ain't the Jari Evans that we, we cut last year.
0: Uh, you, does, you know, does that he, make
1: sense? He,
0: yeah, he, he's, he's healthier. I mean, he is not the elite Pro Bowl tackle he used, uh, guard that he used to be. But he is still a very good guard when he's healthy. And what you've got right now is you actually have a very healthy Jari Evans. He doesn't have the elbow injuries. He doesn't have the knee injuries. He doesn't have the abdominal injuries. All the things that were holding him back in 2014 2015 and made his play look worse. Uh, he is actually playing very well, and it's helped Streif, who Streif has always been – I shouldn't say always, but has for the most of his career has been – Good enough, you know, it, He's not a, he does handle speed rush as well, but he is a good enough blocker that when he gets a chip to help him out with a speed rusher, he can perform. Now, Street Flash, he was injured as well. But the two of them together have actually solidified that left side, uh, I mean, sorry, that right side of the line. And you're seeing also this growth in, you, if you have noticed now, people won't talk about Andre Pete anymore as a bust. You're seeing a growth. Sure. Of Pete As a guard, he is playing much better as a guard. He is leveling people. He is getting to that second level as a guard, being on that left side, uh, whereas on the right well, there's side, there's nothing. He's
1: not a good fit. There's nothing that promotes this offensive lineman's play like the good play of someone on the other side.
0: Right. And Pete played left tackle this past week because Armstead didn't once again was only in for a couple plays. And then he went back to the sideline with a bad knee. Um And, you know, that's going to be a concern for a while. We have to see if Armstead after this season can come back and be that elite tackle that we're paying him to be. And he's capable of being, but in the meantime, the offensive line does not look as bad as it looked obviously in preseason. And it's not the concern it used to be. And because of that, and because they're seen on the schedule, we are now seeing a running game develop. And uh, we're seeing a more consistent running game. And I think that's going to be the key, once again, to being the Denver. to run the ball, make uh, – uh, uh, I keep wanting to call him Andre Ware. It's not Andre Ware. DeMarcus <laughs> Ware. Andre Ware a quarterback. DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller basically, you know, impotent because they're key to rush the passer – and if you're running the ball on them, you know, that defense is built to rush the passer. And if you're getting four and five yards a carry, um, it makes you that much more, you know, effective against them because now the play action will hold them. It's now you're, you're going to buy more time because they're going to have to keep keep people, drop people back in the secondary. And with Aqib to lead cannot be there to shut down – Whoever he's assigned to, whether it's Michael Thomas yeah. or Brandon Cooks or whoever, you know, you're seeing a more diversified passing attack. Breeze has time to pick you apart and they're going to be patient. They're going to hit you underneath, 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 and get down the field and just keep moving those chains. It makes for a very good Saints offense. And- that,
1: that brings to mind something that I was going to ask you on air this week. Um, mm-hmm. We're halfway through the season now, four and four, one. And Four of the last five, right? Yeah, four of the last five. <laughs> okay, um, what is the uh, – what is the the overriding storylines to you in the first half of the season so far?
0: Breeze at 37 is playing like a 30-year-old. Uh, he is still an elite quarterback. Um, it's, it's almost shocking in the fact that, you know, throwing – 350 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, and a completion rate of, I don't know, seventy percent. Yeah, seventy-five percent. Ho hum. Whereas
1: it's an afterthought.
0: Yeah, I mean it, that's that's shocking. Um, the offensive line that we've talked about already, you know that that is. Uh, a storyline that you know no one predicted, especially given the way they played in the preseason. Um,
1: that that would be for me at least that would be the number, the probably the biggest overriding storyline over the first half of the season is the fact that the absolute pandelirium to to, to use a Jeff Foxworthy term the pandelirium over, um. Uh, what this season was looking like coming out of training camp in terms of the, the offensive line play mm-hmm. as opposed to eight weeks late or nine weeks later now uh, what our offensive line play has turned into being um, I, I, I can't over emphasize just exactly how, how much of, those guys are absolute pros, and they've um, they've not only uh, met the challenge, but they've uh, so 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 overcome that challenge.
0: Well, and this fits right into the last part of the storyline, which I think is so important: is the uh, the discovery of balance in the offense. Um, sure, we've gone from. I think it was a Giants game. They attempted nine rushes, or maybe it was the Raiders game. You know, early on in the season, Ingram was not seeing the football at all. And then when, you know, when you look at a game like uh, the Atlanta game where he started getting a lot of yardage off of draws. And, yeah, you know, uh, those – the evolution becoming more of a running-oriented team because, I mean, after the Kansas City game – People all talk about trading Mark Ingram, getting rid of Mark Ingram, just cutting him yeah. outright, right, starting Hightower over him. Uh, even when we were 0-3, uh, sucking for Fournette, uh, that was a common theme. And yeah. people saying, why would you draft Leonard Fournette? Sean Payton doesn't like to run the football. And here we are, we're seeing, even though Breeze is still on, a, on track to throw for over 5,000 yards yet again mm-hmm. – We're on track to have 2,000-yard receivers yet again. um, We are now seeing this running game coming. So it's not inconceivable that you're going to have two running backs, you know, 800, 900 yards rushing um, if we can stay on this pace. So it's it's an evolution to a more complete offense that we have not seen these past three or four years, Um, you know.
1: I, I think that's that's very well put, um, and, and we all know. Uh, I mean, you when you go back to two thousand and nine. Um, I, I don't have the the statistics on me at the moment, but um, the balance that that offense had on that Super Bowl run was obviously much better than what we're looking at right now. But it's
0: a different it was a different kind of balance. But go ahead.
1: Um, I, I think that the best thing that, this this sounds kind of off a little bit, but, uh, the best thing that happened for the Saints offense in the past three weeks was two Mark Ingram fumbles because he came out Sunday against. Now, at the same time, uh, you got to take things in context. Sure. This is San. This is San Francisco. This ain't the Denver Broncos' uh, uh, defense that you're running against. But at the same time, you have to allow the fact that uh, two weeks ago it was the Seattle Seahawks defense, which is, if I'm not uh, mistaken, still one of the the most respected defenses in the league. And Ingram put up reasonable numbers on them as well. Um, but my point being, the best thing that happened for this offense in the past two weeks is Ingram fumbling twice, making him mad, putting uh, Sean Payton putting him in a corner and saying, okay, you want out of that corner, you're going to have to prove yourself to me. Right, and right. And we saw Sunday, and see, that while that leads to – why I'm so proud of Ingram. At the same time, it it has a lot to do with why I'm so frustrated with Ingram, because you see Ingram in a contract year, he gets he is less than a hundred yards from a uh, thousand yards for the season. You see Ingram screw up and get put in the doghouse, and he comes out for what, hundred and sixty? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's it, It's given who he's playing against, too. The 49ers were averaging, what, yeah. 181 yards rushing a the game. They were giving up. So, but I, I found that when when um, Chris Ivory was still on the team, you know, Ivory pushed Ingram to play harder. Um,
1: yeah. You know, he needs he to be pushed did.
0: a lot. He needs to be pushed uh, to get him to play. And I think Hightower being there, it's, it's a friendly competition. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't sure. resent resent it, but he needs to have that back pushing him constantly to do more. Well, hey, I can pick one up, of the, I can pick one up of the yards. Things,
1: one of the things I'm most proud of as far as, quote, unquote, my team, and make no mistake about it, when this team plays on TV on Sunday and the camera goes on that New Orleans Saints sidelines, I'm sitting, oh, yeah. I'm sitting here just like this going, yeah, that's my team. One of the things I'm most proud of is when Ingram made that 60, 70, whatever yard run that he made Sunday, mm-hmm. the, first person, five. the first person to greet him on the sidelines was Tim Hightower.
0: And the next person saw him was the uh, sound guy from Fox uh, television where you got to listen <laughs> to what he had to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Most people say amen after a prayer. <laughs> Apparently, Ingram's God uh, gets the N-word. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, I, I was told that um,
0: the NFL. I've got a, a, a I, clip. I, I, I do, too. Uh, yeah. I do, too. You know, the NFL took it off the air when they realized what he had said. but Yeah. On the that's internet, what I was about to say. It's oh. there forever. Um, <laughs> you know. You and, got to you got to
1: allow some exuberance, was,
0: right? You well, know, you know, it was whatever. so funny because you hear it, you couldn't hear him until he walked right in front of the plastic dome, and then it was clear as a bell. <laughs> so it was, it was a classic moment. I, I, I just, I had to laugh. And I wasn't a sports bar when he said it. Um, yeah, you know, and we were talking about the balance before, and you know, the thing about the two thousand nine, two thousand eleven Saints teams. Um, the way they achieved that balance was they jump on you early. You got that wave sure. of 28 points. It's kind of like the what we saw against San Francisco. You, know, you got 28 points, 31 points. Uh, they almost always lost a toss in 2011. So the other team would take the ball. The Saints would score in the last two minutes of the half. Then they get the ball to begin the second half. They come right down the field and score again. So a team that was maybe down by 10, is now down by 17. Yeah. You know, and, and the 2009 team would get a turnover after that, and then that, that it would start building. And while that team is passing to win, you know, the Saints start pounding the ball on you. They bring in Mike Bell fresh off the bench, hasn't run uh, all game. Now you have this fresh back coming in the third and fourth quarter, and he's pounding you. He is coming out of that hole like a man possessed and he is hitting you as hard as he can and the defense is tired you know so it's a different kind of balance what we're seeing early from this team now is we're running the ball we're getting success early running the ball and we're going to keep running the ball Yeah. and last week in fact you noticed ingram and hightower alternating series ingram drive then a hightower drive and i think you're going to see a yeah. lot more of this as long as they stay on schedule you know, we have not seen, and knock on five, five a here. We have not seen the, uh, yeah, we have not seen that. Oh, holding call. Saints are now yeah. second and second and twenty, or you know, up breeze through an incompletion or a sack. So it's third and third and fifteen. We haven't seen those plays happen, uh, and that's you know that's the big difference. Bring
1: up, you bring up a very relevant point. That needs to be made um, over this these past two week run that we that things have looked so positive. There's been no interceptions. the The fumbles have been at a minimum. The penalties, the stupid, uh, mind blowing penalties, the 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 offsides, the whatever. Those have been held to a minimum. Yeah. The mental mistakes have been kept to a bare minimum. Now, as long as they do that, they keep themselves in any ballgame that they're in. Yeah. Because Bre- – You go up against the Denver Broncos, the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos, you go up against them with a plus-four turnover ratio, <clears throat> you can win that game. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, that kind of brings me to my extra point. Um, we've talked about this before, but um, – the big, you know, once again, we had a horribly officiated game on Monday Night Football. Uh, Richard Sherman basically takes the kicker out, and uh, no calls made. Uh, the officials totally blow it. They call, I think, Buffalo for illegal formation or a, a false start or something, and they go back five yards, kick it again, and this time they miss it. You know, and and it's – What people, I don't think people paid much attention. I kind of have, but people didn't pay much attention. When the officials went on strike in 2012. Yeah. uh, And you had to replace official's in, And you had, you know, all the mistakes they made. I think I've talked about this before, but you saw a wave of retirement or pushing out of a lot of officials. Yeah, Ed Guns Hockley Hockley is still there. But... (laughs) For the most part, most of the officials that you're seeing now, you're not seeing, you know, the Mike Carey's. You're not seeing the guy uh, – Jeff Triplett, I think, may still be there. I'm not sure. But you're not seeing a lot of the officials you saw, you know, a lot of years in a row. You're seeing much younger officials who aren't used to calling certain things. And I think teams are taking advantage of it, and you're getting either – Sloppy games where obvious calls are missed, or you're getting penalty fests where 30 flags are thrown in a game, like the Raiders Tampa game. You know, where, yeah, where it's no middle and, ground, no. And we talked about this before my rant before you know, the, the oh, such a judgment call that that I think plays into part of the reason why. Ratings are down and people are frustrated with the NFL because it's like, oh, you're calling that when a guy barely touches the helmet or gets pushed into somebody's leg. But you're missing an obvious pass interference call or you're letting a uh, kicker get killed. You know, it's this. People just are frustrated with the officiating of the game. They feel like the game is never Played fairly because the officiating is so bad. And Sean Payton called for uh, professional officials, full-time staffers. I think they need to go to that. I think these guys need to call both. You know, I don't know. Call, uh, go to officiating school and become learn the rules, be part of the rules committee, and become better officials where they look at film all the time instead of it being a part-time gig and that's i think until they fix the officiating problem you're going to continue to see the ratings drop
1: can i can't argue with that a bit um i don't particularly pay much mind to this this continued thing that seems to be such a narrative this this year for some reason all of a sudden um the ratings, the ratings, the ratings, the ratings are down. Uh, you know, you're here this year. The ratings are what they are. You're going to be here next year. You're going to be here the year after that. If if you got one person watching, you're still going to put your product on air. Are you not? What are you worried well, about the ratings for?
0: Well, you know, I can only say in the past few years, the NFL has always been going up. It's always become more and more popular. This is the first year where they're really seeing a significant drop, not just, uh, you know, oh, it's a blip, you know. But and I think also crappy games being on national television, overexposure of games. um, You know, what do we play on Thursday night? You have the Ravens and the Browns. I think I'd rather have a root canal. Than to watch that 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 game. Two weeks, what? Two weeks ago, we just had we had uh, the Spocks against the Captain Kirks, uh the, That color rush uh, jersey thing, where you had the Titans against the Jaguars, and the Jaguars basically quit in that game. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I, I ain't this touching is why, that, brother. oh this is why I hate, I hate, I hate the fact that Nike has the jersey. I want Reebok back. Please come back, Reebok. Uh, cause Nike thinks everybody wants to be Oregon. We'll give you a different uniform every week. And you know what? I, I don't want that. You know, the color rush. It, we're gonna get the color rush uh this this third this coming week it from makes Thursday. My eyes hurt,
1: man.
0: <clears throat> well, the Saints it makes are gonna resemble like a... <clears throat> the Saints are gonna resemble their 1975 it uniforms. it would be the first time they wear white pants since uh, 1985. The first time they wore wear white, white pants. Yeah. the white jerseys and white pants. Uh, the last time they wore the all-white combination was 1975. That was the only year they ever did that. Um, they wore gold pants from 67 to 74. 75, they went to the all-white. And then from 76 to 85, when Meekham sold the team, they wore white pants and black jerseys at home, and they wore black white jerseys and black pants on the road. And then Tom Benson brought back the gold pants, but he brought, they were shiny gold pants. And they wore that combination until uh, 1998 when uh, Mike Dicker brought back the uh, the black pants. And he had these huge gold stripes on the side. And on, you know, <laughs> and it tried in 96 with the gold numbers they brought the gold numbers back with the white jerseys and the league complained they couldn't see them they couldn't read the numbers couldn't read the name on tv uh so they tried to go with a with a um with a black background on the number to try and make it easier to read they just gave up they just left the gold jerseys on the black jersey, the gold numbers on the black jerseys and these jerseys here were only worn once these gold jerseys were only worn once In 2002, against the Minnesota Vikings, um, and Tom Benson so hated them that they auctioned them off the day after the game was played, and they never won the gold (laughs) jerseys again.
1: Wow. And that's your fashion history. That's your fashion. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess that brings me to my my quick uh, extra point this week. Uh, hey, keep
0: going, cause I don't want to see the election results. Keep going.
1: <laughs> uh, well, hey, I, I would love to hang out with you guys for like till I, I couldn't go any longer. Um, I really would. Uh, which brings me basically since Alan took my extra point.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, you're not.
0: Um, no, I'm not. You're right.
1: <laughs> My extra point this week is for all of the the people. Tonight is our 18th. Well, actually, considering um, our preseason show that we our two-hour extravaganza that we did uh, the day before the season started, this is our 19th show. Um, we started basically with. graph paper and uh, came up with a logo and a format, and Alan and I got together, and, and we uh, we developed a concept, and we've kind of turned that into something that, uh, well, has become a very, very uh, meaningful part of my week every week on Tuesday nights. And the only way that that's possible is with you guys uh, being there for us and, and having a use for us to keep (laughs) continually coming on every, uh, every Tuesday night. And we thank you so much for that. You have no idea how much it means to me that you guys keep, Uh, coming back and listening to us and we thank you so much for that and we look forward to carrying on. Thank you for your, uh, your continued support.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Without you guys, we're, you know, we're just talking to ourselves and while that makes for very entertaining, you know, behavior, (laughs) um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, it, get, it gets boring because you can't, you shouldn't be answering yourself because then you have to be locked away, and uh, in my Jack, <laughs> best Jack, best Jack Nicholson voice, you know, go so crazy somewhere else. We're all full up here. Um, that's for you, that's for you, John Pinto. That's for you, John Pinto. Um, yes, thank y'all very much for watching. John, and
1: John loves the movie references.
0: Oh, absolutely! I gotta. I, I keep promising I'm gonna do more and more, and I just I, I forget until the end of the show. I'm trying to find a good place to put a good one in. I mean, you know, uh, I was gonna tell them that fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son, but it sure makes it a lot more interesting. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, it, my last point before we get off the air is. Um, you know, in previous years, the Saints. It took a lot of energy for the Saints to get to four and four. Uh, in my memory feed on Facebook, I talk about how you know in two thousand and eight, <laughs> the Saints. The Saints fought their way back to be four and four after an zero and three or an zero and four start, and then got handled by a, a zero and eight team with the Los Saint uh, Saint Louis Rams. Sorry, they were still the Saint Louis Rams. Um, And in previous years, you know, we've also seen this pattern come where they get to that 500 mark, and then they go on a two- or three-game losing streak. This team is not those teams. Um, I'm seeing a lot more energy, excitement, uh, more of a team concept out of this team. Now, I don't think there you could – if they make the playoffs, they're not going to go on a deep run. I don't know if they will even make the playoffs, but I see a lot of positives out of this team. I think if we can get to 10 and six, which is a huge 8 yeah. the 10 and six, uh, that would be a hell of a season for a team that started out 0 and three with as many injuries as we've had and as many rookies as you've got and undrafted free agents starting in key positions that you've got. Um, this is a fun team. I like this team a lot. Uh, I thought last Absolutely. year's team was was the least talented Saints team that Sean Payton has ever had. I think this team um, is a much, much better team, much more fun team to watch, a team that will always give you a chance to win. And you can't ask for much more. Yes, I'd like to win them all. Yes, i like for Drew Brees to be in the MVP conversation instead of hearing about Matt Ryan. But... This is a team that every game now, from this point forward, including this Denver game, we have a very good chance of winning. Um, Sure. You know, if we don't beat ourselves, we should win these every game the rest of the season. You couldn't say that uh, five weeks ago. You certainly weren't going to say that. You were talking more about, you know, the New Orleans Saints are now on the clock. That was more of your attitude. So, and I I think – People should look forward to that. I think that's what people should should focus on. This is a fun team with good players that's very enjoyable to watch. And as long as they keep doing this, these shows are fun to do.
1: I'll be honest with you. I, I don't um, – I have absolutely zero interest right now in talking about playoffs. Um, I, I – I don't care about draft
0: picks. Players. Anything. I don't want to talk about. Yeah, I want to focus on this team and see how they mature. And
1: right now, I'm worried about beating Denver. And when yep, when that game's over, I'm worried about beating Carolina. Um, absolutely. Whatever happens from that point on will take care of itself. Uh, right. I'm not worried about being a playoff team. I'm not worried about being a a Super Bowl team. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. That stuff will see to itself right now this team needs to concentrate on being the best team that it can be the way that it has over the past five weeks uh and you see where that has gotten this team too yeah absolutely at least in my opinion anyway
0: absolutely absolutely and and that makes that makes all the difference in the world and uh, it, it, it's a fun team to watch and I'm enjoying these games, especially this winning streak. So we'll see how Absolutely. it goes. Let's see how it goes uh, this Sunday. I, I think the Saints have a great chance of winning. Um, I don't think it'll be once again a close game. I don't think this is going to be a game that's uh, <clears throat> that will be a cakewalk for the Saints, um, no matter what they do. I don't think any game will be but I think they have a great chance of winning. And if we keep playing balanced football, don't put the ball on the ground, don't throw interceptions, we should win this game. Uh, I'm going to predict, I don't know, 41-37, some kind of score like that. I think that's the kind of game it'll be. I think, uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring I, game.
1: I, I think that um, what I mentioned earlier with, with Brandon, um, everything that I've heard from – the talking head seems to say that if the Saints um, can continue their their pattern of scoring 30 to 40 points a game and find a way to limit Denver to 20 to 25 points a game, that will be very much in their favor. Uh, I would like to th- – Right now, I have uh, I have never felt so positive that New Orleans could beat Denver as I do at this moment. Um, Den- it, it's really odd that Denver is trending down and New Orleans is trending up at such a time to make this, uh, like I said earlier, like I iterated at earlier, this game suddenly – Seems to be a lot more interesting than it was a month ago, because one team is trending down and, and the other team seems to be trending up. Um, I I really think that the margin there again, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, the margin for error is going to be slim to none for the Saints. Mm-hmm. They're going to have mm-hmm. to take care of business, but I mean, the past two weeks they've done that. Yep. Um if they can Absolutely. continue that continue
0: to do that uh the future's wide open yep absolutely and we'll see how it goes this sunday i think it's gonna be a good game all right guys thank you all for being patient with us we kind of went over a little bit tonight but um i don't mind because after this i'm going to watch the movie midway because uh, <laughs> i'm a world war ii buff so
1: absolutely um,
0: as always, follow us. We'll be back here. Same bat time, same bat channel um, next Tuesday night. Um, and hopefully we're talking about another Saints win, another great game for Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, Tim Hightower, the whole group. Maybe we'll have a new hero. Maybe Devin Bro gets a pick six. Or, uh, or Sheldon Rankins gets a uh, sack fumble. That would be great. So,
1: Yeah, that uh, g- would be.
0: <laughs> Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, everybody. Thank you guys so much.
0: Damn it. This is not an iPad. (laughs)